Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome into Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. You know what, man? Welcome to September and August sucked. Will September be better? I don't know. It started off interesting and entertaining. My goodness, what a day of news. We'll cover it all. It's from lawsuit response by the Husker 8 to President Trump on Twitter to Commissioner Warren sitting down with the Donald to Bill Moose's response. You can join us at 466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers to get in. You can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Damon Barr as he is in at uh, Damon Barr. That's two R's. And email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So you had another email, check that, Twitter grenade by the president. You had another Twitter grenade by Dan Patrick. And where's the truth? Uh, The tweet of October 10th football for the Big Ten has been deleted. What's real with this saga today? Mitch Sherman will help us make sense of Football and this fall coming up in 20 minutes or so. Jay Paterno is going to be with us. His dad, Joe Paterno, his book, The Hot Seat, it's fiction with a lot of stories with names changed and craziness on the recruiting trail. He's also a board of trustees member. There's a lot of board of trustees members at Penn State, and uh, they oversaw... Well, they oversee the president of Penn State. Penn State, one of those schools that voted no on football. So we'll have a long talk with Jay Paterno on today's events, from the president to the commissioner to Nebraska's lawsuit to, you know, what's a timeline for revisiting medical information? The the Dan Patrick tweet said, okay, uh, can, can benchmarks be met? And I want to go there. What do you believe? And things are uber, uber, uber political. They are, man. Gloves are off. Blood's going to be spilled. And I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I, I, I do not. I do not. But you have Pete Thamel. Big Ten sources didn't just deny President Trump's claim that the league returning immediately was at the one-yard line. They laughed. It's not realistic. But now fall football is politicized. And, and think about this strategy if you're the president. And think about this strategy if you need to win some battleground states. Think about this strategy if you want to get the electoral in your favor. Either you paint Joe Biden and fault him for people of the same democratic belief, 
or same political backing as him as the reason there's not football. It's really not different than the sideline ad that came out from Biden last week blaming COVID on the Trumpster. And you can believe what you want to believe. I'm not telling you you're right or wrong, and I'm not a wuss straddling the fence. There's just middle ground I stay in for both guys. There just is. Got problems with both guys. I like some things about both guys. So you have that, right? You have Commissioner Warren (laughs) that got a phone call. Someone's calling me and wants to meet. They're not going to yell at me. I mean, think about that. I mean, Kevin Warren, as much as we've piled on the guy and as much as he sucked up to the people who hired him and didn't advocate for the coaches or athletic directors, the the last thing he probably wanted, whether he's voting for the guy or not, is, is a Tuesday morning, yes, is this Commissioner Warren? Yes, this is uh, President Trump's right-hand man. We're on our way to Wisconsin they told us to stay away. Uh, do you have time to meet? And this thing all kind of started over the weekend, didn't it? With come on, Big Ten, President Trump. He, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ivanka said, you know, Dad, <laughs> these are important states, and he knows that. But if if he can pull this off, if he can bring football back, if he can keep your business open. In Lincoln, in State College, in Columbus, in Iowa City, if he can get football back on the uh, on the on the calendar in October with political pressure, he's going to win some votes. He will. He'll do it. This thing is going to be incredible how it plays out. But I am focused on give me freaking kickoff in October. So, what popped my balloon, good stuff from Parker Gabriel. Not really good. I mean, good reporting is what I mean. But uh, Bill Moose, later today, earlier today, shooting down reports of of Big Ten football on October 10th. So, you had some optimistic thoughts. You had President Trump on Twitter There were productive conversations with the commissioner of the Big Ten. Then Dan Patrick reporting the Big Ten hoped to pass a COVID-19 safety protocol and start play on October 10th. Now, you can put rapid testing based on what the University of Illinois came out with, and you've got money earmarked, $750 million for rapid testing. You got $150 million rapid tests so you could get those to the the big 10 office they could distribute them evenly to the big 10 schools and and you're set to to play or at least to, to be able to test the the protocol here and this is something we'll talk with jay paterno about is the myocarditis and where and how are you equipped as a university to deal with that? Where's your EKG set up at? And I don't know the ins and outs of, do you have to go to UNMC to test? Or is it just a, an EKG that you could transport that machine to 
North Stadium or the training team. I don't know. I'm just talking out loud. So you have President Trump pushing for a return on social media. Fans and players and coaches, and and you had some coaches say, hey, we want to get rolling with it. That's per Teddy Greenstein and Tom Dean Hart. But you have Bill Moose responding to the report with Parker Gabriel. This is via text, and it's Bill Moose said of the October 10th start date rumor. There's nothing to that. Moose is part of the subcommittee. It's looking into potential scheduling models as part of the league's return to competition. You have Trump commenting multiple times recently on the Big Ten's decision to postpone. So what's the truth? And then you have Ronnie Green commenting. And Ronnie Green, they're continuing to work on return to play. Ronnie Green saying wouldn't surprise him if maybe they do it before the year's done. Does that mean Thanksgiving? And and I this is my take, okay? If you can say, hey, let's really look at Thanksgiving, well, great. What's wrong with a, a few weeks earlier? And when it comes to, like, timing with the ACC and the SEC kicking off, this is really a lot of it is about when do your kids come back? When do they pass COVID to one another? How many sororities and fraternities get shut down out of COVID due to COVID? And when are they done infecting one another? It's kind of like spring break. It's a week. Come back, you get a shot, and you go back to to class. The hope is you kind of let it run its course through the students. You keep your players protected, and then you kick off. Right now, there's a lot of balls in the air. What do you believe as a football fan? I know what you want. You want what I want. You want football back on October 10th. So what's real here? Now, if you're Kevin, if you're, if you're, Kevin Warren, if you're Commissioner Warren, this is something that now you're you're involved with by meeting with the president. And that is political in nature. And the thing about President Trump is this. Trump's, whether you love him or dislike him, he's got the ultimate microphone. He's got the ultimate bully pulpit. He has got Twitter. He has got TV cameras. And if he doesn't get what he wants or he'll manipulate how he wants to manipulate, because I think he wants football too. But he he could box Warren into a corner to go to these presidents and chancellors. Now, because it is battleground, there are political implications. There are swing states up for grabs, and you may or may not have liberal leanings with presidents and chancellors around the Big Ten. You, you, you have folks that are Democrats. You have folks that are Republicans. You just do. Are they not going to move forward on this because they're Democrats and they don't want to 
make Trump look and seem like the hero? Are they going to say, no, man, I'm really, really scared about myocarditis killing one name on that roster or one student? Now, this is the reality that that I, I wrestle with is we talk about $120 million shortfall with academics, I should say with athletics. We, we talk a lot about the fact that you're going to have $30 million a weekend that just is, is invisible in, in Lincoln and around the state. But yet, this is the thing I can't get over where the door is open to go attend class or attend class online. You're still going to school and we talk about millions and several millions of dollars with athletics or around Nebraska football, we can count into the billions based on tuition and student population. And there's, what's the, Damon, jump in here. What, is Nebraska still around 27,000 students? Um, or is some, it up to 30? Somewhere in the 20s still. Okay. But whatever the hell tuition costs now, so I know no clue. It's been 100 years since I went. Uh, to graduate or undergraduate. (laughs) They keep that money. That's in the billions. That's still going to the academic side of things. So it's, it really is apples and oranges when we talk about financial, who's getting hurt and who's not. So what do we learn here? We learned that hopes are up. Is this another instance of Lucy pulling the football away, and what can get done. We'll talk with Mitch Sherman coming up. Uh, I'm very anxious to find out, you know, what's what's possible here. So the, the post has been retweeted from Dan Patrick from a source. If the conference can pass updated safety measures and procedures, Big Ten's targeting October 10th. So Dan was off with his vote, not by that much. He said 12 to 2. Um, It was 11 to 3. Speaking of vote, let's get you an update here with the lawsuit from Mike Flood and the Husker 8. I've been following this. We had Vince Powers on the show yesterday, and the uh, crux of their argument was about transparency The statement from Mike Flood, there's still an issue of fact that the Husker 8 are in search of regarding whether a vote was taken and how each school voted. Now, they are trying to avoid dismissal of this case in the initial phase. So when I talk about issue of fact, an example can be if there are two drivers in a car and there's an accident and both claim they had a green light, you need to gather additional evidence to see who's telling the truth. So a lot of folks may think the lawsuit isn't looking good at this point, but right now, politically, you've got the Big Ten, the talk of not only sports, not only college football, But also, it's now entered the realm of politics, and there is a large, large outcry, let us play. And who do you give credit to for that? 
If Nebraska's kicking off in October, who do you give credit to? Do you give credit to, to Donald Trump? Do you give credit to Bill Moose? Or do you give credit to number seven? This thing all, this fuse started with Scott Frost saying, uh, this is BS. Not his words, but my interpretation. A lot to get into. Mitch Sherman's next detail varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Jay Paterno's coming up, uh, member of the Board of Trustees for Penn State. Of course, his dad was Joe. He's an author. And a long sit-down with, with Jay Paterno coming up. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Does a great, just phenomenal job of covering Nebraska. Had Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, what a day, man. I mean, it's gone all sorts of zigs and zags and ups and downs. And so, as we've kind of absorbed and processed everything, do you know what yard line we're on? Are we on first and goal, or is it first and 99? You know, I don't think it's really either one of those. The Um, 50? (laughs) Yeah, we may be near the 50. Uh, I I think that that's probably more accurate for where we sit right now on September 1st. But I will say, as crazy as all the days have been, and every day seems like it's crazy. I mean, there hasn't been like a normal day in weeks. Uh, This one's going to be remembered for having some (laughs) unique characteristics. So... Uh, it's not over yet. Only 4.30. We'll see where, where the next few hours take us. Well, it, wh- what do you believe? What do you believe with with uh, Dan Patrick's tweet uh, as mm-hmm. far as the, the 10th of October, Bill mm-hmm. Moose's response as he's part of the competition committee? Right. And honestly, just the fact that maybe you have some benchmarks to revisit, or do you think the soonest may be uh, the, the, you know, the, the Thanksgiving weekend? I know there's a lot in there, but where, where's your mind at? I believe Bill Moose's response um, to Parker Gabriel that uh, th- that there's not anything going on right now, or they're not they're not on the verge of announcing anything for October. And they're not, I don't even think they're on the verge of announcing anything for, for November at this point. I'll tell you, there's a lot of coaches out there and others in administrative positions around the Big Ten who are doing their best to. Um, how do we say this? Push it. To float information that isn't ready to be announced uh, in an attempt, perhaps, if you want to uh, take this point of view, to put more pressure on the league and the people who make decisions in the league. I don't know how prone to feeling pressure the university presidents are, and they ultimately will be the ones to decide uh, what happens. If there is a new standard put in place, to allow the Big Ten to begin a season this fall or how they're going to go about trying to do it in the winter or spring. So a lot of noise today uh, coming from all kinds of different places uh, and not a ton of action. So hold tight, and I think we'll – I don't know. I don't know when – I thought going into the week that we were going to get some – probably get some news in the next few days about – what the Big Ten's plan was going ahead. And, you know, as today's progressed and saw the statement from the Big Ten office this morning about the conversation that Kevin Warren had with the president, and which just 
you know, blows my mind to be saying that right now, but it happened. Uh, it, it, the Big Ten ended that. They did. Mitch, what excluded? You, you, yeah. you cut out and ended that. <laughs> you cut out there. Right. The, the, the paragraph that ended the, the, the Big Ten's release this morning looked very similar to what we've seen throughout this process since August 11th, mm-hmm. that they're going to continue to look for a way to get their athletes back onto the playing fields when it is appropriate and safe. And, you know, we may be under those, living under those conditions for uh, an extended period of time going forward. I know we'd all like to know what the date's going to be, if it's going to be January, November, October, whatever. But, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see a, a ton of light at the end of the tunnel right now that we're going to get answers super soon. Mitch Sherman's with us, The Athletic, Hale Varsity uh, Radio, and can find Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, when it comes to, to political pressure, and, and that is part of the conversation now because you have the president on social media, you have the president sitting down with the commissioner, you have a, an ad that brought in the, the world of pigskin last week with Biden, you have, you have uh-huh. all sorts, and I'm not here to tell you or my listeners where to, where to lean because I've got folks who lean each aisle and just stay in the middle lane too. So I'm not here to to make it that. But when it comes to political pressure in, in this 2020, man, as crazy as it's been, how heavy a force can that be to change minds or 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 hold the line if you're if you're a president? Yeah. Well I think inevitably it was going to get political and it was political before last week, before the ad ran, uh, before the tweets began. So it, it's, it, there's always been a political element to this, you know, whether it was the governors who were getting involved. Um, it's just now advanced to a stage where it, it, it's, it's it, you know, as, as front and center as you can get. I mean, we're, face it, we're 60 days away from an election, and <laughs> the stakes are extremely high in, in the political world and in the, in the sports world and in, in everywhere right now. It's like everything is converging at once. And you, you know, you're not going to get politics, I don't think, out of really any aspect of life. So it, so it was predictable and inevitable that we would get to this point where it seems people are lining up on the sides that they choose. I, you know, for me, there is no political side uh, to, to football. I, I want football back on the field. And, and I, I think that, <laughs> that probably both sides do when mm-hmm. it comes down to it. I, Nobody wants a fall without football in the Big Ten or the SEC or wherever it might be. I mean, just because of the financial and uh, everything that we've been talking about since March and why it was so important to, to have football season this year. So to try to make this an argument that half of the people in the country want to play football and the other half don't want to play football, it's, that's disingenuous. I don't, I don't think it's, it's representative of how people feel. Um, everybody by and low, you know, for the most part, is there a small percentage that says, no, nah, I'd, I'd rather just, just, uh, you know, kick this season away. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, you know, it's, you can't speak in, in absolutes. It's not a hundred percent feel one way, but, but the vast majority of people, I would say, no matter what side of the aisle they fall on, want to see some way, uh, to, to you know, find some way to be able to play football here as soon as possible. Mitch Sherman's with us, The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, what's your takeaway with, uh, with uh, Mike Flood's response with the Husker 8? You had Discovery. You had 
Hey, you had an 11 to 3 vote that that got divulged and I know the, the lawsuit's still ongoing, but what's your uh, what's your reaction to to yesterday's response from the Big 10 and then Nebraska's players response today? I guess um probably shouldn't be surprised because they're con- they want to continue to push this lawsuit through the court system that they were somewhat dismissive uh the Nebraska players and Mike Flood their attorney of the um, documents that were disclosed that that were that were put forward by the Big Ten yesterday. Um, you know, I thought they were, I thought it was more it, it was more um, there was more substance to the D- Big Ten documents um, than what the uh, Nebraska contingent uh, acknowledged today. There were two sworn affidavits. You know, one signed by the the commissioner uh, and another signed by the president of Northwestern, who's the chairman of the of the president's committee. You know, that's that's uh, that's significant. That they were able to get that information from the Big Ten, um, I, you know, to me that there's far more validity to those documents than there is a quote from the Penn State athletic director who wasn't in the meetings, uh, wasn't you know present for the vote. Um, and if, if the Penn State athletic director is out there saying, I don't know if there was a vote, um, I'm putting a lot more stock in the sworn affidavits that the Big Ten today. Um, all of that said, uh, you know, in a short period of time. The pressure that the Nebraska uh, student athletes placed on the conference, or seem to have placed on the conference, has produced some results. So until their case gets thrown out of court by a judge, they might as well continue to go forward with it and see what else they can get out of the Big Ten. Um, I don't think the case. Is, I don't think they're going to win. Uh, I don't think they're going to necessarily get what they're looking for uh, as far as forcing the Big Ten to, to play a season. Um, it may happen for other reasons because of medical advancements, uh, you know, or more access to tests. Um, and, you know, good on, good on the Nebraska players for continuing to push forward and not giving up in their fight. Um, that's probably the, the, uh, that was probably their, their motivation at the start. Uh, it wasn't to, uh, you know, to collect damages. It was to continue to put pressure on the Big Ten and force things to come out. And they seem to have loosened some, you know, loosened some bricks in the Big Ten, uh, <laughs> the Big Ten wall, the Big Ten war room. So uh, I, keep going and see what else, what else you can get to come out. Uh, but again, the important thing here, you know, like we talked about with the, with the politics conversation, is that in the end, you know, all of these people should be on the same page. The players, of course, want to play. We know that. <laughs> it's been made very clear by the, the eight who filed the lawsuit. The Big Ten, I think, wants to find a way. I know, wants to find a way to be able to have football again. It all needs to be done in an appropriate way that allows everyone to be safe, including the people who come into contact with the players away from the field. I, you know, I, 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 I'll end this here quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm, going, I'm going long. But I, I think um, the Big Ten also should take a hard look at what happened at the University of Iowa this week. And this goes along with the argument that Scott Frost made back on August 10th, the day before the Big Ten vote to cancel the fall season. And he talked about the Nebraska players being safer within the football environment in Lincoln when they had a game each Saturday to look forward to, um, to, to, to point toward, to focus on. And you see 93 positive tests in the Iowa, within the Iowa Athletic Department last week. Now, Johnson County, Iowa, where Iowa City is located, is one of the hottest spots in the country as far as uh, COVID positives, and part of that is because of the, the the activity at the a huge part of it is because of the activity at the University of Iowa. I don't know how many of those 93 positives are members of the Iowa football team, but whatever that number is, 
I suspect it would be lower if they were practicing this mm-hmm. week for for a season opener on Saturday. So probably something to consider for the Big Ten as they as they move forward with this discussion. You're not wrong, and you look at COVID numbers going up here in Lincoln. And, you know, you can pick a college campus, whether you're at Kearney or UNO, or you're just going to have young people be young people. Mitch, you and I had a hell of a good time in college, but we didn't have to deal with COVID. And <laughs> I don't <laughs> I mean, think we did. <laughs> no. So, I don't remember that. <laughs> right. So the, the long and short of this is they're doing the same things we did, except that you got this, this disease that's, or this, this virus, sorry, virus that's just jacking, jacking you, and it's it's transmittable just horribly. So, yeah, uh, the safety part of things, you're better off within your own little team bubble, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. And right. your your point's well taken with that. The fact that uh, you look at Iowa, you look at Iowa State, and the other part of this too is, I mean, it's just it's just frustrating, and I feel for for Iowa, I feel for. Ohio State. I look at Nebraska, where we're covering high school ball, but there's no there's no football. So on Saturday, let's let's think let's see if things can can move forward here at some point and keep hope alive. Mitch, it was a fun discussion, a weird weird day, but thanks for your input today, man. All right, good to talk to you as always. Thanks, Chris. Take care, Mitch Sherman, with us on AL Varsity. Jay Paterno coming up next hour. Chime in 402. 402- 466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Well, Nebraska fans are uh, not going to be sending any Christmas cards to Pat Forty. Sports Illustrated we're going to bring in our dear friend Damon Barr because I need a drink based on what Pat Forty's written. And and he's good at swaying, man. He's good at swaying. He's good at calling out Nebraska, Pat Ford. He's been on the show before. And I know he's on the, the Big Ten Network as kind of their, their their national columnist insider. And a lot it's made of, of Forty being a Missouri guy. And maybe Forty's just pissed that Missouri got passed over by Jim Delaney for Nebraska for the Big Ten. I mean, I don't I don't know Pat that well. I know some folks we have on the show that know him. So what what I am equating Pat Forty to is a guy seeking attention from a fan base, and he is willing to talk out of his backside. And. The reality is this. You have the accusation here of, and again, he uses the term whining with Nebraska, Ohio State, and Iowa about no football. And he's clearly on the side of the angels here when he's talking health and safety, but he's got both sharp edges out ready to to shiv like it's prison shower time. Um. He thinks that Nebraska and Iowa, specifically because Iowa, like, they cut sports. Clearly they did. Nebraska's not cut any sports. So he needs his facts straight on that. Now, furloughs and 10% pay cuts and you're on that that vacation that you don't want to be on. None of us want to be on this time of year till the end of the year, unless things change, Dan Patrick. 
Um, he looked at Ohio State, Iowa, and Nebraska as using the opportunity to furlough and fire or lay off, sorry, people, and then blame the conference. And, and that isn't fair, nor is it right, with Bill Moose. And somebody needs to call him out on it. We need to work on getting 40 on the show. We'll send him a text tomorrow, and we'll have a civil conversation. But just where are you getting this? How can this be okay to be that wrong? And how, how can this be okay to be this wrong as a national college football writer? With your accusation. And, and quite honestly, he's, he's making news versus reporting. And his job is also to give takes. Clearly it is. I mean, you're, you're a columnist and you're the 40 yard dash guy and you're the guy who jumped from ESPN to to Yahoo and then Yahoo to Sports Illustrated maybe there's a reason you're you're clearly hireable but you've not been well rounded in my opinion my humble opinion for a long long time and Pat Forty's used to be better than this. Now it's just let's throw a hand grenade and go from there. <laughs> I mean, you've got people that have been laid off by the university. And the insinuation that Nebraska's made moves, cost cutting moves to stick it to the Big Ten is just that's brutal. I can't believe that. I shouldn't be surprised anymore. But you clearly have uh, some guys and gals in the media that have an agenda and they're worried about clicks and they're worried about sources and they're worried about going to go House of Cards reference here and keeping their inside source. They're Zoe Barnes is what they are. So let's talk a little bit here with what's going on with high school football. And you've got some tremendous ball players with OPS. And you've got a rally going on. OPS students have rallied. They've asked officials to reconsider letting them play fall athletics. And an email was sent out, sent out to families on Monday that says, if now isn't the time to learn in a classroom socially distant, then how? Then, then we know group workouts and competition cannot take place safely. One athlete airing out his grievances, and he's the number one outside linebacker for, for 2022, Devin Jackson. He's frustrated that OPS can't find a compromise to reopen programs. Many have already gathered about almost two hours ago. They've held up signs that read, let us play. 
Johnny Rogers showed up, masked up, and he spoke. He's part of OPS as far as if you go back to the Omaha Tech days. And good on these kids. Um, I think it's hilarious and not in a good way. It's a sad, sad, sad funny where you've got kids at Central and Northwest and North and Burke and Benson and South. Who else am I missing? There's seven. Anywho, that they can't go. But you, you take Dodge a little further east or you get on 370 and it's fine. It's fine. We're looking forward to coverage Coming up uh, Friday here on ESPN Lincoln, we'll have Southeast and Southwest, the battle for South Lincoln. And we'll have a chance to, to chat with Coach Catula and Coach uh, Sherman. That's on the way. It's been one of those days. And Jay Paterno is uh, 15 minutes away. Jay's a uh, trustee for Penn State. Jay, of course, his dad was Joe Pa. And uh, Jay's got a book coming out. But we're going to talk about the day's events the whirlwind that, that has been Tuesday politically and uh, economically and from a uh, his point of view, from a trustee standpoint, what's the likelihood, what's the reality of a, vi- a revisit and uh, the medical side of things, because there's a lot of folks that, that side with that. Um, and Jacob Badella going to chat with us coming up at 540. Numbers to get in, 466 466 Three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five numbers to dial up. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity dot com, and uh, again find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio or at uh, Damon Bar. That's two R's with Damon Bar. So we're getting into um, the the true road stories of recruiting from uh, Jay Paterno. Can't give you names of players. Can't give you names of opposing coaches. But, man, it's uh, it's a different world trying to recruit in college football. We'll wind down Hour 1. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Winding down this first hour, it's Hail Varsity. It's presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Jay Paterno, we will dive into... Football, the politics, Trump, lawsuits, October start, and medical issues. And oh yeah, Jay Paterno's got a book, Hot Seat, coming out. It's a fiction novel about uh, a coach at Ohio State. It's been Urban Meyer approved. So we'll talk to uh, Jay Paterno. Two segments coming up with the uh, former Penn State quarterback and Son of Joe Pa, 10 minutes away. Jacob Padilla is coming up at 540. Damon, what'd you what'd you have for uh for drinks last night? You're a you're a Monday night you'll throw a couple guy, aren't you? Uh yeah, typically. Well, I uh had a, a few uh brewskis last night watching oh. uh game six in the Rockets Thunder last night. And you're leaning towards Thunder. Good. It, they're a fun team to watch, I you know, think. How, you know what? And this is, and we'll talk some more NBA, and you're going to ask Jacob Padilla an NBA question, okay? You're going to do that. Got it. Did you like the NBA? And I saw enough of the highlights. I've gotten into Fargo. 
Mm-hmm. Loved the movie, and I've gotten into the series, and I was like, well, sweetie, why are we paying for, for Hulu? I'm catching up. I had not seen Fargo before, but I just finished up season one. Not all in one night. That'd be impressive. But so uh, Billy Bob Thornton was in season one. I'm about to start season two, but it was good. It's really good. So that's what I was doing. I, I caught the highlights. I was in bed by nine. But Chris Paul's in a lot of commercials. Chris Paul's really talented. He's never really been on a winner, right? I mean, he's just done time, right, in the NBA. And he was with the Rockets. It was him and Harden. And that was a bad breakup. And now he's with the Thunder with some mileage on him. But man, oh, man, the the, the way he took over, hit a couple of big threes, and then just the way the Rockets just – and I love the, the style that D'Antoni has brought to the NBA, starting with Nash and Phoenix, okay? But they, they, they are too good to be this awful to close a game. And as much as Russ is fun to watch, and I've taken Junior down a few times to watch Russ and KD when they were together, Russ is so bad at times with shot selection. He's an insane athlete. But guide his shot selection and forcefulness is 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 going to lose you games, and it did last night. And with Harden not touching the ball or being really in that give a damn mind frame, I hope OKC uh, makes it all the way back, and I want to see him advance. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that because as good as Harden is, he's super selfish, and as as great an athlete as Russ is. He's he's a baby and he is also selfish. You have the two two arguably are the most selfish players in the NBA on one team, and that ain't gonna get you to the finals. Well, I, I think my favorite tweet from last night is somebody said that uh, Russ is finally gonna get the Rockets to or the Thunder to round two in the playoffs. <laughs> so we'll see if that happens tomorrow. That's hilarious. That's too funny. That is that that's good. That's right. That's accurate. Now, Harden could come out and just be 13 to 18 from three-point land and just go off. Steven Adams is one of my favorites. Steven talks about getting kicked in the Kiwis and got that tent, that sleeve going. He hasn't cut his hair since the mid-2000s. Jay Paterno's up next. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, let's welcome in an author, an assistant, a uh, longtime assistant at Penn State, and, uh, of course, uh, part of the uh, Board of Trustees with Penn State. We welcome in Jay Paterno to the show. Jay, thanks for making uh, time today. Busy day of news in the Big Ten, and, of course, uh, you've got a book out that's a uh, uh, pretty cool fiction novel uh, when it comes to the world of college football. Welcome into Hale Varsity. How's your day? Doing great. How about yours? Doing okay. It, it's been a, a whirlwind and uh, a lot of news uh, swirling around the Big Ten. Let's start there for a minute. And 
Uh, you had the, the tweet sent out earlier today by President Trump. He had a meeting with Commissioner Kevin Warren. And uh, there's a push to get football back. I know you're uh, a, a trustee member. Is it time for the Big Ten? Do you think the Big Ten may revisit the decision uh, about uh, postponing football? Uh, there's been things. Uh, we'll get into some some more topics about it. But what's your reaction to, to the president's uh, social media use and involvement with the Big Ten? Well, I wish he had spent as much time back in February worried about stuff like this as, that he, as he does now. But, and I certainly hope he has better things to do than worry about football. But certainly, as a former coach and as a guy who played the game, you know, obviously we're going to miss football uh, however many weeks we miss, whatever happens. And certainly hope he can get it back. But as a trustee... Uh, if we are going to make that move and if we are going to, you know, play football, whether it's Thanksgiving, whether it's January, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, um, we have to do it safely. We really do. The, the health the health risks are real, not just the players, but also, you know, if we have a player go and play at another school and come back with COVID-19 and goes into class on Monday and gives it to some other students. Now we've got a problem with the rest of the students. We got to remember that the football is important. Um, but again, are those football players represent just 0.2% of the students of the 607,000 students that are on Big Ten campuses? So we've got to balance both. When it comes to rapid testing, and this was put out by Dan Patrick, a uh, report that the Big Ten football could kick off as soon as October 10th. Uh, that is, if the conference can pass updated safety measures and procedures. You have rapid testing available. The other thing that's that's very concerning, of course, myocarditis, uh, a, way able, uh, a way to test that effectively, not just, say, at, at Nebraska with UNMC or, or Center, but the ability to have th- that uh, level playing field of testing on, on all 14 schools you know, what's uh, I guess what's the, the next step for trustees? What's the next step for presidents, for the league, in your opinion here, to uh, to move forward about a revisit? Well, I think the, the medical experts are going to have to drive that bus. And I don't mean make the decision, but that's all going to be based on medical information. And uh, you mentioned talking about the, the myocarditis. You know, the nearest uh, EKG MRI to us is at Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is 90 miles away at our medical school. Um, so that becomes problematic for us. I know there are other schools that don't have them, not necessarily just in the Big Ten, but other schools that I know of that don't have them on their campuses or nearby. So that does become a problem. Um, but again, uh, you know, I, our, our doctor, Wayne Sebastianelli, is in charge of our, med- our sports medicine practice. Um, you know, he's a guy that I trust. He's a guy who trusts my own life. And if he says, you know, we're good to go, then that's a guy I can really, I can trust. And I think every school has that kind of person on their campus, I would, I would suspect. So again, that's got to be, that's got to be a driving consideration. Jay Paterno is with us on Hale Varsity Radio uh, with uh, the commissioner. Uh, how tough a job did he walk into this year? I mean, nobody Nobody knew 2020 is going to be this awful, but uh, just it seems like the commissioner's been getting it from all, all sides. 
Yeah, and look, these are very, very difficult decisions. And and I think everybody wants to point the finger. I mean, look, there, there are conspiracy theories out there about him trying to swing the election. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. This is a guy who's trying to do the right thing. This is a guy who's got you know, doctors who are... And, and let's not forget, there are a couple of university presidents in the Big Ten uh, that are epidemiologists and a, I think also a cardiologist. So there are some presidents that have... Uh, have expertise as well. So he's got to go with the information he's given, and that's part of being in a leadership role. And I think he made he made a decision that, you know, he, he talked to the presidents, they voted. Uh, we now know they voted 11-3. They made the decision, and he's had to be the one that's caught all the bullets for it, so to speak, um, and taken all the flack coming in. Um, so, I mean, you know, it, it's a tough gig. But, uh, you know, that comes with the territory. Uh, that said, I think Jim Delaney unknowingly retired at the right time because <laughs> TV contracts are coming up soon, and 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 obviously nobody knew COVID nineteen was coming when Jim when Jim retired. The juggling act, Jay. I mean, you you lived it. You grew up in in a, a coach's household. You were a coach yourself. You also know state college. You know the economic impact of Penn State football. You know the economic impact of Nebraska football, or, or just pick the college towns that right. are are university driven, and uh, that is something that that a lot of people are are concerned about as well when it comes to just life and livelihood. Not at the expense of health and death. I understand that, but you know, I'm hoping a revisit can happen uh, with medical advancements. And you mentioned the EKG side of things with the myocarditis, where that is in relation to Penn State. Um, what, uh, what, what would you suggest or, or say is likely here in the next week or so if it's revisited? What's, what's the timeline in your eyes? I, I ask that because of TV contracts as well, because you got uh, game times filling up with some of your top-tier uh, TV partners. Yeah, I think, you know, I, again, I think it's, you know, I know there's a number of committees the Big Ten uh, have you know one on the medical side, one on the return to competition side. There's a couple of committees that are working on these things that have been. Um, they've been working on this prior to today, uh, certainly, and prior to prior to the president. I mean, the president can tweet about it, but you know this stuff's been ongoing before he got he stuck his nose in it. Um, so. You know, it's not like this is something that he just waved the magic wand and all of a sudden everybody said, we want to play sooner and later. That's what everybody has wanted from day one. And just knowing that if there if there's an opportunity from the economic side, you know, for a school like Penn State and a town like State College, obviously football is a big, big deal. Uh, and it's you're talking tens of millions of dollars. However, if something, you know, if we were to have an outbreak on our campus, um, where we had to send our students home, you're talking about a much bigger impact, you know, in the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, football brings in about 80 to 90 million in revenue for us. Uh, tuition is close to two billion. So we obviously have to make sure that we understand what our first priority is, and that's to educate the 48,900 other students on campus um, and make sure that isn't compromised by any decisions we make on the football side. Um, but if we can do it safely and we can protect everybody, then, then I think then there's nobody doesn't want to go forward with it. Jay Paterno is joining us. He is an author, a two-time author, Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, Jay, last thought here before we, we talk about your, your novel, man. I can't wait to, to get a hold of this. What was your reaction uh, to 
the lawsuit. Nebraska, eight players suing the Big Ten. They are continuing their lawsuit. Uh, the Big Ten, uh, with discovery, did reveal there was an 11-3 vote to postpone. Um, I understand why they do it. No, no question about it. But I think there's, uh, you know, I, I, I would hope people understand that uh, there were things I wanted to do when I was 19 and 20 and 21 year old, and thankfully there were you know cooler heads kept me from doing some things I wanted to do. But but I understand I understand the frustration. I understand them wanting to get answers, um, but also I think they will get all those in time. Um, but I do also know from the trustee side when when I, we talk to our administration here. Um, the number of things they're dealing with on this campus to try and keep campus open for all students right now. It is a constant, um, you know, I'm old enough, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to remember the famous clip from I Love Lucy when she was working in the chocolate factory in the conveyor belt and the chocolates were coming up and she couldn't keep up with the ones coming out. And that's what's really what it's like to run a university right now. It's, oh, there's a fraternity party of an outbreak. There are students gathering here, there's an outbreak. Uh, there might be a, a, another cluster in this dorm and how do we keep our classrooms open and let professors, you know, there's all these challenges. Um, so, I mean, the, the universities are focused on so many more things ahead of football right now. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, obviously, you know, football is here to serve, serve the university, not the other way around. But I do understand why they're involved in the lawsuit. And I think that they, they, the answers will reveal themselves over time if everybody's patient. And if we can commit some time to trying to find a way to do this medically and do it safely, then I think we will. Jay, a thought on the University of Pittsburgh, Iowa State University in Cincinnati. The, they're playing ball. They're in a different conference. Is it the same medical information every conference has? Is it just translated differently? How do you, and I know it's not on you, but I'm asking as a trustee member, how can some places in the same state or even uh, a town 90 minutes away or 60 minutes away play high school ball or, or even Division One football? Well, you know, that remains to be seen. And again, you know, it's a matter of how much risk you may, it may be how much risk you're willing to take um, as it relates to putting your players out there. I mean, we're, you know, even just in the town I'm in now, we're in a big discussion about high school football. And, you know, do you want to send kids out that aren't being tested at all to play against kids from uh, 80, 80 miles away, 70 miles away, and you don't know if they're being tested? So, I mean, these are all questions that are very, very difficult to answer. But uh, I can't speak to what the ACC came up with, why they feel the way they feel. I do know that 17 of the top 20 medical schools in the country are not playing football uh, this fall. Uh, and that includes Ivy League schools as well as Big Ten schools and Pac-12 schools. So, uh, you know, there seems to be a lot of evidence to support the decision these presidents made uh, in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Everybody forgets the Pac-12s in this, too, sometimes. Um, but, you know, again, it, it, it remains to be seen how this is all going all to turn out. And I'm not sure those other conferences will get the game two or three or four, even if they get the game one, because you're looking at outbreaks at Alabama's got over 1,000 mm -hmm. cases on campus. Auburn's got a big outbreak. South Carolina's got an outbreak. North Carolina sent their students home. So, I mean, look, this is far from a done deal for anybody. Jay, uh a thought here with the the timing as far as making a decision as early as the Big Ten did. Did that surprise you to, to cancel versus just wait? Well, postpone, I, excuse when, me. Uh, yeah, when, when, when they announced the season was going to start on September 5th, 
my first thought is, was that this is really going to kind of put us, put the Big Ten in a position where we have to make a decision sooner than later. And there were some people that felt like if we got it started sooner, we could get the season done before uh, the next wave comes in late October, November. We might have a chance to get it done. Whereas, you know, some of these schools like the SEC, they felt like, well, they can have outbreaks when kids come back to campus. Maybe that'll clear by September 26th, and then they can play. So I think it's just a matter of one one idea versus the other. And, you know, whether one's right or wrong, who knows? Mm-hmm. Jay uh Paterno is with us, and uh, we, we've spent a lot of time on the news of the day in the Big Ten. Last thought, has this gotten, in your region, uh, ultra-uber-political uh, when it comes to football? Do you, do you feel that uh, that it's, it's truly political football with Republicans and Democrats and finger-pointing with, with why or why not there's a season? Oh, there's no question it is. And I, and I think that's unfortunate of where we are as a country right now, where we can't even have a reasonable discussion about medical facts or medical information without somebody trying to turn it into a political thing. And I think that's unfortunate because – and that's one of the reasons I, I, I feel it's unfortunate that the president got in the middle of it today because, again, just it just heightens the politicization of it with certain people and drawing people into camps rather than people saying, look, let's – Let's all get in a room and let's find out how we can play football safely without worrying about external pressure. So, you know, I would have preferred that he just stayed out of it, um, but he did, you know, as, as he tends to do, he will tweet things, and he did. And uh, so now it forces a lot of people to react to it. But, I, but I'm with you. I think this is, you know, I love football, and uh, I want to see it played, but I also have been on a coach – on a team where we had a, a young man paralyzed on the playing field. And that still haunts a lot of us to this day, even though he can now walk. But the idea that it's potential for some player to die, or get you know, with a myocarditis or something like that and die, I can't even imagine what that would be like. And I know people say, oh, that's the risk you take when you play the game, to which I say, okay, well, go look at the roster and tell me which player you're willing to risk. From a from a political standpoint, were you surprised Biden had an ad that came out like he did uh, when it came to staying on the sidelines and let's get off the sideline? That it's about a week old on on uh, Twitter and TV. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. But I mean, that's that's the world we live in now, and uh, and this is going to be a very very uh, uh, let's say this is not going to be you know two candidates you know tiptoeing through the tulips. Uh, until from now until November, no, it's going to be. No, it's going to be. It's going to be interesting, and to say the least. So yeah, it's gonna, you know, things are going to go back and forth. No question about it. We'll have more with Jay Paterno and his book Hot Seat, and uh, Jay, a non-Trump guy, and it is man. Gloves are off, sleeves are rolled up, and. Football is in the balance. Some states you can play it. Some teams can't in that same state. And we went through the day's news with a member of the Penn State Board of Trustees. More on uh, recruiting and some college football stories next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes. Jay Paterno is with us. A former assistant coach. You know his dad, Joe Paterno. And uh, his book is 
out. It is called Hot Seat, a fictional novel, the crazy world of recruiting and coaching and the situation of being on the hot seat if you don't win. Here's Jay Paterno. Jay, you're a, you're an author. Your first book uh, came out in, in 2014. Jay Paterno is with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Paterno Legacy, your, your new book out. It's called Hot Seat. It's a uh, fiction novel. Take me through Hot Seat. Lay it out for uh, the football fans listening. Uh, it's, uh, it takes place in Columbus, Ohio, correct? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so over the years of coaching, people would ask me, friends of mine, we'd sit around and they'd ask, you know, I'd tell them some stories here and there without telling them names of stories and things that had happened recruiting or uh, in meetings or locker rooms, sidelines, that kind of stuff. And, and you know, inevitably somebody would say, you ought to write a book, you ought to write a book, you ought to write a book. And I said, yeah, I'd, I ought to, but if I write it uh, as – with everybody's names in it, I'll get somebody's going to come find me and have some issues. So I, about three years ago, I decided, you know, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to write it as fiction. Um, the stories are very real. Um, the situations are very real. And it starts with an Ohio State coach who loses the bowl game. And the president of the university comes in and says, you know, uh, I'm in the minority. I want you to stick around, but you've got one year. You've got one year to win, and now it becomes this pressure cooker where recruits ask for money. Well, do I just cut the corner this one time? Um, a player gets accused of a crime, and you know how do we handle it? So, all these all-access shows that people have, you know, the hard knocks on HBO mm-hmm. and some of these other things that Amazon has done and whatever, they can show you only so much. They don't take you into a coach's meeting when a player is falsely accused of a crime. But the political pressure is such that he should kick him off the team. How does he handle that? Um, it doesn't take you into the coach's home when these pressures are weighing on him, and now it creates all this tension between he and his wife because the wife doesn't want to deal with the pressure. So, And in this book, the, the, the head coach is on his second wife because the first one um, you know, just couldn't take it. So it, it is a very, very realistic um, look into what it's like, and, uh, you know, I sent to Urban Meyer when it was about the halfway done, and he sent me an email back and said, this is so realistic. Um, you know, he really said, you ought, to, you ought to finish this, and I did. Jay Paterno's with us. That's a, a vote of high praise and confidence. I know folks that have reviewed your book, some of the who's who of the National College football writers, and, of course, some, some high profile coaches like urban meyer jay what was that life like man as as a guy who worked his way up you played for your dad at penn state uh quarterback no less and then of course you're on staff for for a decade plus and you're i mean penn state is loaded with with talent year in year out it, it sends dudes to the nfl it's got a great state to recruit of, Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Pennsylvania. It's, it's incredible. You're next to Jersey that has high-level talent there. I mean, what a region to be in. But you got a lot of folks going for the same kids. I mean, it had to be wild for you as far as winning some of those recruiting battles, remembering some of the teams Penn State put on the field. Oh, no question about it. And, and the fun part about this book was kind of reliving all that. Um, because I'd laugh about a recruit. I'd go, oh, that would be great in the book. So I, there are a lot of stories. And if I told you who the stories were about, they're all people that names you would know. Well, tell me a I story, mean, and we'll leave the name out. What, what's, one, <laughs> what's, one, what's one instance where, I mean, I've heard a, you know, a lot of stories 
off the record uh, with some of uh, you know some of uh, Nebraska and Coach Osborne had an amazing recruiting right. staff, and they they didn't get some kids, and you know there's reasons. And, you, why. and they told you why exactly. There's reasons um, why. <laughs> well, first of all, I do want to say one thing since we are on Nebraska. My dad had just the the greatest respect for Tom Osborne. Loved playing in Nebraska because the fans were 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 just so one just a class of the class of the class. Um, so that part of it, but you know, I'll give you I'll give you a quick recruiting story. We, you know, we were recruiting a very very high profile player and looked like we were in really good shape. And except there was this guy around him that just seemed to have, you know. Uh, and in with this kid and he kept taking him out to this other school and and it turned out that you know he was trying to push him this this other school and then we got some calls from some some alums that were in the town telling us about hey this guy's a problem this guy's a problem hey we can help you get this kid and then it got really bizarre because somebody called and said well you know he goes up to a a poker game in this other town and he's into some guys for some serious money. And we know the guy who's in, who guys he's into the money for and they could probably help us. And we're like, Whoa, Whoa, no, 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 no. We're not going anywhere. Near hell, this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, this is one of those things you're like, you know, it's like the opening scene, the Godfather, you know, when you're going to grant a request, but someday I'll come and ask for a favor back, you know? And so we just said, you know what? And, and it was one of those things. Even my dad said, well, that's the first time I've heard that. Um, you know, we had another situation where a very high-profile recruit and we're in great shape, and next thing you know, we get a call, and it's it's his minister, and his minister wants to know if we have alums in the area that could donate $150,000 to their needy, their church's needy family fund. Of course, most of the needy family fund money was going to go to that recruit. So, I mean, there are all kinds of things like that that go on in recruiting, um, and they're all in the book. And, you know, and one other good note, I will tell you, I, I don't want to spoil church, the book for you. Church needs a new roof, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I will tell you, the, um, w- the uh, without spoiling the book, but Nebraska wins the West. <laughs> good, good. So that's a good sign. But yeah. Well, so. I, I think, I think uh, I, I'll tell you, I think Scott Frost is, uh, if everybody's patient, mm-hmm. uh, I think, that, you know, I, know, I know patience is short supply most places in the country, but. Um, I think people are patient. I think that Scott's really got a chance to do some really good things out there. Well, Jay, I, I, I agree with you. I think Scott's a big-time coach, and I think Nebraska is going to get back to being Nebraska. I truly believe that. I've covered the program a long time, and uh, he's he's got what it takes. Uh, I just hope we get it in October opposed to, to Thanksgiving or January, and I hope that those medical benchmarks can be hit. I hope uh, the – Presidents and chancellors can revisit, talk this over again, and and maybe maybe play ball. And maybe it's an eight-game yep. season instead of a ten-game season. But uh, I had not heard of a, a Tony Soprano-type poker game either until now uh, when, it, <laughs> when it comes to, to that. But, man, last thought here, and Jay Paterno's with us. His book is Hot Seat. It's a fiction novel, and it's uh, just tr- a tremendous read. When it comes to, to dealing with, it used to be mom or dad or grandparent in the living room, right? And I know right. the 70s were the Wild West and things got crazy in the 80s. And now it's there's always been maybe an uncle or, or now you got a middleman or a handler. Uh, did that just wear you out having to put up with folks that 
in some instances, not always, but in some instances, instances didn't have the kids' best interest in mind. They had their own interest. Well, I, I, you know, I think we were fortunate um, in that Penn State, much like Nebraska, kind of had a brand, gotcha. so to speak, where people knew if you were coming to Penn State, it was no nonsense. Same thing with Nebraska. So a lot of those people kind of eliminated themselves from even considering sure. us. And, you know, one of the things that my dad was great about it, he goes, hey, look, there's no one recruit that's bigger than the program, so we're not going to sell our soul for anybody. And there's plenty of really good football players. But but I do know, talking to coaches, it is between social media and the entire, you know, uh, you have to kiss these guys' rear ends 24-7 because if you don't give them the love they want, they'll go on social media and say, hey, you know, if if I get X number of followers mm-hmm. from this school, I'll put you in my top five. I mean, we, we've come to a point where we're, you know, at some point, somebody's got to tell these kids, look, you know, when you get here, you're going to get hit in the mouth on the on the practice field. And what are you going to do when that happens? And, you know, a guy at another Big Ten school said to me, he said, you know, we've got a generation of kids right now that some of them like getting recruited more than they like actually playing the game. Yeah. Do they love the, do they love the game or do they like the idea of being a football player? And, yep. uh, you know, it's it's a different world. Jay Paterno's with us. Jay, I'll let you be. It was fun to, to spend some time with you. Thanks for uh, talking Big Ten, the day's events, and also congrats on your second book. Thanks. I really appreciate it. That was a long sit-down with uh, Jay Paterno, and uh, catch that on the podcast. Catch that on the on-demand portion of ESPN Lincoln under Hale Varsity and uh, ESPN Lincoln and also Hale Varsity. So we covered the day's events. Jay's take on Trump, the revisit by the school presidents and medical folks, if that's something that can be looked at. He's on the board of of trustees for Penn State. Of course, Jay's dad was Joe Pa. So he, uh, he went to, into the... Uh, the old memory bank of just things that he's heard and seen for sure. As a recruiter, as a guy who's patrolled the Ohio Valley, man, uh, and in Pennsylvania. So who do we got on the horn? We got Pete. Pete, thanks for calling. Go ahead. How you doing? Good. What do you know? Oh, I'm kind of a simple man, so I thought maybe you could educate me. What's the difference between a football player and COVID-19 and a college student getting COVID-19? Is it a different virus? Or they just want the college students to get in there to get to win? So, Peter, as far as COVID. Pete, you cut out. Start over. I'm kind of a simple man. Be, so skip, maybe you skip, can skip, me. skip, Skip that part. You're, you're smart. You're calling the show. What's the question? Well, it seems to me like some of these people think there's a different COVID-19 between college students and college athletes. He seemed very concerned about college athlete getting COVID-19, but he wasn't all that concerned about the college student coming to his college getting COVID-19. It's a numbers game, Pete. You got way more students than student athletes, and some of those scholarships, uh, you're liable for the university, or you could be held liable. Uh, with, a, with a health and safety standpoint, the tuition, that's non-refundable. So a college athlete that's on scholarship that's not playing the sport, such as a volleyball player and such, um, 
is not got the risk of getting COVID-19 at college? They absolutely do. You understand I've not made the rules up on this. No, I just, I don't, I don't get the, the, uh, con- Pete, the concern for the virus. It, it, the concern should be uniform. If you're going to have students on campus, you should sure as hell play football and volleyball and soccer and whatever else. That's my feeling. I, I if, agree 100% if, 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 with you're you. not, if you're not going to have students or you go to online only, we got to go. Pete, thanks for calling. Appreciate you listening. If you're not, then then go distance learning. Keep the tuition check. Period. Makes no sense. You know where I stand. Play football. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. All right, we say hi to Jacob Padilla, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. It's been a while since we talked to Jacob. We've got some basketball news. Jacob, how you doing, man? Good to spend a few minutes with you. Yeah, I'm doing well. It's uh, perfectly timed because the uh, NBA game just went to halftime. Well, that's what I try and do. <laughs> that's what I try and do. You got uh, game one of the Raptors, don't you? Yep. Uh, Siakam hit a three uh, just for the buzzer, so two-point game at halftime. Well, we are going to tap. I'm going to make Damon Barr ask you a question because he's a huge NBA guy. I want to get your response, though, here. John Rothstein's uh, tweeting out, the uh, Men's and Women's Basketball Oversight Committee going to propose a start date of November 25th for the uh, Division I Council for this upcoming basketball season. What are you hearing, Jacob, and what did you think before that Rothstein info went out here? Were you thinking end of November? Kind of a nice, tidy timeline. You get football kicked off over Thanksgiving, maybe, uh, or maybe sooner. Who knows? Uh, but you get uh, basketball going. What do you envision uh, right now for Hoiberg and company for a season? Yeah, that uh, that kind of seems like they're obviously discussing a few different start times. And um, I think the, the biggest variable in colored sports right now is the the campus aspect of it and the 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 other students and the parties and all that stuff. So um, I I and if if we're gonna try to get this done, I'm in favor of using that um, that post uh, Thanksgiving um, kind of window in there to get however many games in as you can um, while the students are on are at home and um, there's the, the the risk is a little bit lower with less people on campus and. Um, so I, uh, I think that's at the very least is something that you got to really strongly consider attempting if we're going to have a season this year. Um, the, the interesting thing to see now is, um, obviously that the PAC 12 initially, um, suspended all athletic activities until January 1st. So that there was, a, they were the only, they were the first conference to go beyond just the fall sports and, and, um, make a move with basketball as well. So now we'll have to see, does, does the Pac-12 kind of go back on that, or um, will the Pac-12 not be able to start when everybody else does? Um, what happens with the Big Ten, where um, they, uh, um, they decided not to have football this fall, and, but is it okay to start basketball in November? Um, so that's we're still going to have to see how this uh, – 
how this vote goes and kind of how the different conferences and teams react to it. But I think it's a uh, um, smart. It's smart to try to at least um, take advantage of that time when um, campuses are more empty than not. Jacob Bedilla is with us. HailVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Bedilla underscore on Twitter is where you follow him um, and uh, read him with Hail Varsity. No, you're right. I mean, and, it, and it's just a mess at a lot of different places. Some schools have come back earlier than others, and they've already had their, their COVID spike, and it's, uh, dare I say, manageable as we, we talk now. Some are just experiencing the wrath of of 18 to 22-year-olds that have been cooped up for five months. So there's uh, constant spreading going on. I'm interested in your thoughts here with uh, when it comes to just basketball in general and the NCAA itself. It doesn't sound to me like, and, and you've already seen Coach K and some other prominent basketball coaches they said look let's let's figure out a time let's get a bubble reality and there can't not be a second year of no ncaa tournament we can talk about the date but we've got to have a tournament and that's the ncaa's main source of, of income since they don't control football does that does that kind of give you hope that that reality that financial reality that you'll see movement on basketball oh definitely and when mark emmer came out and said uh, back when he did that right after Larry Scott said you can't do a bubble with colored sports, uh, Mark Emmert came out and said, well, actually, we're looking into it. So w- once I heard that, once I heard that they were willing to be flexible and uh, examine all avenues to have a season, um, then I started feeling like, all right, we're going to find a way to at least attempt the season. Um, we'll see if once they get started, they're able to finish it but they're going to at least give it a shot, it seems like, unless something happens during this football season that would make it um, uh, just uh, impossible to kind of pull off. But, um, yeah, like you said, that they've got a lot of money riding on this, and they really can't afford to have a second um, tournament not happen. And to have a tournament, you got to have some kind of a season. So uh, I think the I guess, uh, the – hearing that the NCAA is willing to get creative and is already working on different ways to get this done um, gives me a lot more confidence than I felt over the summer as we were getting closer and closer to the football season where it seems like there really weren't many discussions about how to do it or um, it was just kind of waiting and seeing and hoping that would be um, clear enough in the country that they're able to pull off the season like normal. That obviously did not happen. Jacob, moving towards um, pro ball, we have uh, two game sevens coming up in the Western Conference first round. Do any of these four teams kind of speak out to you and have a chance to break up this battle of L.A. that we've been gearing towards all year? Or do you think it'll it'll go as planned for the NBA? Yeah. Um, I, I, Houston hasn't looked all that great. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll get we'll see once Russell Westbrook kind of gets back into the flow, and obviously first game back, and uh, still has some some rust on him, obviously. Um, so we'll kind of see what Houston looks like at full strength if they're able to make it out of um, this game seven and advance to the next round. Um, Denver, Denver, and Utah. I just right now it just seems like if 
both LA teams just have a higher ceiling combined, like on both ends. Where Denver, their offense is is uh, tremendous, but their defense is so incredibly bad. And Utah's got more defensive pieces, um, but do they have enough offensive versatility? Um, so I, I'm not quite sure if either one of those teams is um, complete enough to get it done. Um, but I think they definitely have enough firepower to make it uh, an interesting series in the next round, whoever comes out of that one. So I'd, I'd still lean towards um, L.A. versus L.A. I think at the end of the day, those teams have the highest ceiling. Um, but um, the, the others here, too, certainly uh, have, have shown um, some impressive stretches of basketball. And, um, so I, I think we'll have, on both, uh, both conferences, I think, this next round is going to be really fun. I don't think we're going to have uh, mostly sweeps like we saw in the first round. Jacob Adil is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Jacob, what are you working on uh, online here? About 20 seconds. What can folks expect here on, on the uh, the site? Yeah, we're just uh, um, kind of ramping up for some more high school sports coverage this week. I'm planning on doing a little bit of football and a little bit of volleyball boats um, oh. later on in this week. And I had a conversation with uh, – New and to hold Nebraska assistant volleyball coach Tyler Hildebrand and put up the uh, the first piece out of that conversation today. And I'll have some more coming over the next week or two. And um, it was a really good conversation. And uh, I think it's definitely worth checking out for all uh, Husker fans out there, especially volleyball fans. Good stuff. Jacob, you take care. Thanks for the time, bud. Thanks for having me. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, we are going to talk football tomorrow. Brad Edwards. Mike Babcock, Mike Shuart. I wish we could go do a show again at Wilderness. We were there last Friday. It was awesome. We'll be getting geared up for Southeast Southwest at Seacrest end of this week. Many thanks to Jay Paterno for uh, talking the uh, day's events as a trustee member for Penn State. We were able to ask him some questions because the trustees, and there's like a million of them, a little bit of an exaggeration, maybe not. When it comes to Penn State, they help kind of drive and channel decision-making. And as you know, Penn State, one of those schools that voted new on football. So two parts to the interview, uh, the recruiting slash um, behind-the-scenes look with his novel that's kind of a true story, but names are changed and kids aren't identified Bag men aren't called out by their government name. Hot Seat is his book. So that was cool to hear about and then just kind of going through and he answered questions. And I know some of you on Twitter uh, know Jay's pretty um, big time Democrat. So that's been pointed out. I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm down the middle and you can uh, ask my man Damon Barr about that. Your team, you were Team Bernie. Yes. And I'm pretty like middle of the road. Mm hmm. Fair. Yeah. That's all I care about. I think, I probably think your candidate sucks. And, and the other guy, I think your candidate sucks. <laughs> well, I'm actually an independent. 
Okay. Yeah. So I I kind of I kind of fall into that middle of the road on some things and different sides on other things too. It it's it's all encompassing, isn't it? Especially now. It really that, is. The Donald uh, hooked up with Commissioner Warren, and we'll see where this goes. It ain't going to be boring, and that's cool. But give me football in October. Had a friend email in, Chris at HailWarCity.com. He's like, let's bet he wanted to put money down. He's like, I bet nothing happens before January with football. And as much as I want to like scream him down or pull the dumb and dumber hands over my ears and go, la, 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 la. I, I, you going heart or head? Heart wants football here in October. Head says, you got to flip six votes. You need Frank Underwood with a whole Santa bag full of blackmail to make that happen. What are we eating tonight, Damon? A little Chinese food tonight. Ooh, are we going uh, orange chicken? Are we going uh, broccoli a little, beef? A little shrimp lo mein for me. That's my lo mein's great. I love lo mein. That yeah. Are you going panda? Uh, no, going uh, golden walk. Where's that at? Twenty uh, seventh. Uh, North. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It, that's really and good. And they got a drive through. <laughs> Nails, man. Good for you. That down. That sounds pretty good. I am a hot and sour snob. I love. If you get good hot and sour, I'm there. I'll deal with... Afterwards. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. <laughs> the aftermath. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Hail Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.